You're listening to TIP. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday release of the podcast where I'm talking about Bitcoin. On today's show, we have the co-founder and CEO of Fold Bitcoin Rewards Program, Mr. Will Reeves. Will provides some incredible insights for how Bitcoin is now starting to be part of every single transaction for people using his Visa card. Not only that, but we have an in-depth conversation about the Lightning Network and how it's going to be an instrumental part for Fold moving forward. If you're wondering where this entire space is moving forward, you'll definitely want to give this episode a listen. So without further delay, here's my conversation with the one and only Will Reeves. You're listening to Bitcoin Fundamentals by The Investor's Podcast Network. Now for your host, Preston Pish. All right. So, hey, like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Will Reeves. I am so pumped to have you on this show right now and to be having this conversation because, hey, you and I do not have a business relationship together. I think a lot of people think that you and I have a business relationship together because I'm always talking about my fold card on Twitter. And it's just because I'm having a blast. I'm enjoying the experience and I, ha- I can't say I've ever enjoyed the experience of any rewards card in my life. And you've made that a very different experience. So I'm excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. And I'm pumped to have you. Well, Preston, the feeling is uh, very mutual. I'm a big fan uh, as well. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying what we put out there. You know, the team and us, we put something weird out there and we are pleasantly surprised by how much it's kind of changed people's behaviors and experience of what used to be an everyday thing, just spending saving. For me, the, the, the first thing that I thought about was you want Bitcoin, or at least I've always wanted Bitcoin to start becoming part of people's everyday transactions. But you know, until the tax laws change, it was just a non-starter for me. It's just like, well, that's just not going to happen as long as people are paying capital gains on the difference from what their basis is to the transaction. So I like I just kind of wrote it off, even going into the start of this cycle as just being something that wasn't going to happen. And then your your platform came along and I started, you know, reading up on it. And I'm like, oh my God, I can still do the normal transactions that I'd be normally doing with my debit card. And you know, you still got to eat, you still got to do those things that everybody's got expenses for. But now I'm going to be getting a reward. And instead of it being like air miles, I'm getting Bitcoin rewards. And I was just like, okay, yeah, sign me up, right? Like this sounds awesome. So I want to start off by just really kind of talking about your background before you even got involved in any of this stuff, like before Bitcoin. uh, What were you working on? What's your expertise? Like all that fun stuff. You just basically described the journey with Fold right there. So I can't wait to get to that. But before this, you know, I've been forged in the fires of Silicon Valley startup product life, been a founder, entrepreneur for pretty much the last decade, primarily building in the payment space, retail, e-commerce. You know, sometimes they didn't always work out and I'd find myself down in Mountain View, did some time down at Google. But really the whole thing has been around introducing new technologies into people's everyday lives. And so I've worked in things from peer-to-peer marketplaces. How do we bring two strangers together who are exchanging a very expensive good, with a lot of money, and how do we remove any sort of middleman from that equation? And that's a really hard problem to solve. It hasn't been quite solved yet. I have worked in social payments. So in the early days of Stripe, how could we create a platform to collect recurring payments monthly from subscribers, fans, you name it, who could provide a revenue stream, ongoing revenue stream for your business. It was essentially you know, how to Amazon Prime your business. Some of these were just ahead of their time. We, I love to look back at now at the success of Patreon and all these. And it's amazing to see that some of these early products that I've worked on were kind of glimmers of what would become and manifest and has become a, you know, a central part of a lot of entrepreneurs and creators' lives now. And so it's... Really, my focus is how to introduce new technology, make it relevant in people's daily lives. But more importantly, how do you create an incentive structure to have people adopt a new behavior or a new technology? And I think that plays a lot into what I'm doing here at Fold 
and that that trick or that Trojan horse, as Satoshi would call it. So, Will, talk me through the moment that you got the idea for Fold. Where were you? Who were you with? It popped in your mind. Then, after you kind of described that, how long did it take for you to act on the idea? So, Fold has an interesting long history that has kind of evolved with Bitcoin as the world has kind of tried to grasp what is Bitcoin, what is it for, what do people need, problems to solve around Bitcoin to use it. I met my co founder, Matt Luongo, at at a project we were working on down in Google. And he was telling me how he was working on this new project, you know, Bitcoin, magic internet money days. And the real thing was okay, there's a lot of people who have this new type of money, Bitcoin. But the problem is, there's no way to use it. How can you have a money that you can't use? And for a lot of people at the time, and still to this day, you'll see the trend line throughout Bitcoin's history of if you can't spend it or if no merchant accepts it, is it actually real money? So we started with that problem. How can we turn this magic internet money that people are now accumulating, curious about, and the world is starting to understand? How can we create a public moment that makes it number one usable so that you could spend Bitcoin at your local merchant? But also, I think equally important, how do you create that moment uh, for others to see, hey, I have Bitcoin and someone's accepting it. Someone is valuing this, this magic internet money. And how can we do that in a place that's in a Starbucks or in a merchant where that moment is a kind of a collective shared reality? And we started with that inkling. And it was a, a simple website. You send Bitcoin on chain. You can get in line. You get your Starbucks coffee and you turn around to your friend and say, look, Bitcoin is real. And now I have my coffee. So that was the original part it was a really simple thing to try to solve. It was really just about our own curiosity about this money. It's also, you know, everyone's journey starts somewhere. And for, for a lot of people, they have certain preconditions about what Bitcoin and what, new, what money should be and how it should be used. And so the first problem we tried to solve was primarily around the medium exchange use case. When you're saying that, it would make a lot of sense for me that, and I'm assuming this conversation happened before 2017, that when we got into the fork wars, that a person like yourself who's really trying to bring Bitcoin to the transaction level would have become a person who was wanting larger blocks and, and all that kind of stuff. We know that the code got forked. We know that Bitcoin Cash got started in the summer of 2017. And so walk me through why you did not go with that side of the movement and that you stayed with the smaller blocks. What kind of conversations yeah. were you having with Matt at the time? Did he agree with you? When we think about Bitcoin and what it is, we, you have to think of it not as a, just technology. It's a cultural phenomenon. It is a, it is a movement of builders. It is a movement of people. It is an idea. And there are certain parts of what Bitcoin is that you cannot take away without making it into something else. And so that was something that was a shared idea from myself and Matt and, and, and the team is that we are not making Bitcoin into something for coffee payments. What we're doing is building infrastructure on top of Bitcoin because it provides such a bedrock foundation that a new monetary system could come up. And we're here to provide the proto rails, the proto payment rails for how this money would come to fruition and how it would touch people in their lives. And so one thing that we knew and all agreed on is that by changing or forking in the ways that were being proposed was just making it into something that it wasn't. And it wasn't going to be viable. We weren't here to make a faster visa. We were here to make something, a new money, more usable, more valuable for the holders. And this wasn't an easy thing. Like you said, it's, it's kind of hindsight is twenty twenty. But we had this decision. We had supporters on our board who were part of that fork that we had to part ways with pretty dramatically. And we, we still have interesting back and forths uh, to this day. A lot of them have created those other forked splintered coins that are out there and, and just trying to stay alive. And we couldn't be more happier with the decision. This again, this was when, you know, this was pre-2017, right? So yeah. we saw, you know, the Bitcoin winter come through. We've seen bear markets and so much so that when these bear markets come, Bitcoin spending drops precipitously. And so when your whole business model is around the spending aspect. And the bear market comes and you know, you know it's going to be a year or two before the cycle re recycles. You have a problem. And a lot of Bitcoin companies were forced to confront some of these issues. Number one, Bitcoin is heavily on your balance sheet. 
Number two, the usage and the cycles change what behaviors people are using it for. And so we had to make a decision. Do we shut this down, put it to bed and say, hey, this was a good run. Let's see what we can do maybe down the line. Or there are a lot of emails in my inbox of other coins that are showing up like an absolute Cambrian explosion, offering a lot of money that could keep the lights on for a long time. Should we accept those? Should we go there? And we had to make the hard decision of number one, no, we're not going to. We're going to shut down Fold. And Fold went through a period where we actually put it to rest. And we kind of had some conditions about what would need to be present for us to revive that. Talk to us about some of those those conditions. That's amazing. I didn't know this about the story. Well, number one is that me deeply familiar and focused on what product market fit means and, and what product market fit feels like when you create a new, a new service, a new product that touches people's lives. It's not something that feels like you're constantly pushing or having to you know, do the Sisyphean rolling this rock up the hill. When you achieve product market fit, you feel it and it is a jet fuel beneath you, whether you're ready or you're not. We just didn't feel it with that product. We knew that there was a good amount of people. We had a great fan base. A lot of OG Bitcoiners had used us. Great product in that way, but it just didn't do it. And why? Well, first of all, not many people had Bitcoin. And not out of the people that did have it, those that wanted to spend it were even a smaller subset. So we're looking at an addressable market that is, is very tiny at that time. And the second part is that the technology wasn't even there yet. So we knew we weren't going to uh, have anything to do with any of the forked coins. That wasn't where we were going. Again, we shut down the business in order to not do that. But we did know that Layer 2 were, was coming. And we knew that the, the natural transition of an kind of establishment of currencies is a layered process. It is something that needs to start from the most base unit. And so for us, we knew a Layer 2 would come along that would provide an experience that would actually support the use case that we were originally intending. And so for that, we really waited on those two things. Number one, we need to rework the business model, what it is, how it is, so that number one, the market is larger, and we're solving a problem that actually will generate a demand that we're just going to have to keep up. We just weren't feeling that. And the second part was, is the technology ready? Is it there? Is layer two there? When is it ready? And those two questions weren't quite figured out yet, though there were glimmers of hope for them both. So at what point did you guys start to feel, you're, you're talking about this feeling of fit and the, getting the timing right. And for people, I'd tell you a lot of the stuff that Will's talking about right now, there's a really famous book that was one of Steve Jobs' favorite books. It's called Inside the Tornado. The book is all about this timing of these emerging fast-moving technologies and being able to get the timing right. The book talks about getting the timing right. And what for you, Will, sorry, I was just just from an education standpoint for people listening to the show, I think it's a great opportunity for them to do some more research if this is an idea that's that's uh, something that they you know have an interest in learning more about. But for you, when did you guys feel that 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 fit was really firing on all cylinders? I think for me, it started at Thanksgiving in 2017, when suddenly we had the great bull run of 2017. And there was something different about this bull run. The on-ramps were in a much, much better position. Coinbase as a company was established literally because it was the only one there that had semi-good user experience. And it just happened to be there. Speaking of your timing thing, yeah, there's only that like, they did a better job at being exchanged. They had good UX for retail a retail audience, and they just happened to be there at the right time. And so seeing Bitcoin in that time enter the mainstream, it took over all of the headlines. It was something that friends and family that you know knew I was interested in this, but by no means would actively bring us into conversation suddenly were. It was entering the public conscious in a very different way. And I think some of that had to do with Bitcoin as the idea, but also of Bitcoin as actually being accessible to them for the first time. And there was actually a place where I could legitimately say, hey, dad, you're interested in Bitcoin, go to this and you can actually get some. And from my ex- that kind of started a, a shift in my mindset because for me, I've had many different experiences with Bitcoin pre-2017, pre-even falling down the rabbit hole. Really magical ones of remittances from migrant workers in, in the Sonoma Valley, sending them home to Mexico, from Occupy Wall Street, accepting donations to... I was living in Argentina and we had a one of the guys I was living with was a software engineer and he was talking about how he uses Bitcoin to make sure the government could not debase his savings. So these really poignant, very strong examples of some of the most 
incredible qualities of Bitcoin were thrown in my face. Mm -hmm. But for me and my personal journey, the actual really powerful moments were all about skin in the game, was how can I get my first bit of Bitcoin so that I am aligned with the asset, I'm educating myself increasingly about it, I'm paying attention to the cycles, to me is one of the most powerful mechanisms for educating and for Bitcoin adoption overall, is that we can talk about ideas and that's important. But at the end of the day, I think exposure to the asset in your portfolio, there's nothing that will make itself known faster to you than by that vehicle. So when did you have the idea for the debit card? Was this back in 2017? You're like, man, we need a debit card with rewards that are paid in Bitcoin. Was that kind of the timing and then you got it rolled out by this cycle or... We saw these new on-ramps come into place, right? Uh, Coinbase, the exchanges, all of that, just those were the essentially the best business models, the only real business models that were actually available in the Bitcoin space. Everyone else was having to get very creative. And so for us, we looked at what, what did we all already do? What infrastructure had we already built? Merchant relationships that essentially the old infrastructure took Bitcoin payments coming in, converted it into fiat prepaid cards or, or open prepaid cards you could use at these merchants and get a discount. And so all really in my mind really was like, okay, what is the real problem to solve right now? What is the most lucrative, biggest problem to solve? And that's getting Bitcoin in the hands of more people. So how can we use what we have to get Bitcoin in the hands of as many people as possible in the shortest amount of time? And so just flipping that infrastructure we had away from spending Bitcoin, converting it into fiat, what about spending fiat and earning Bitcoin rewards? It was just literally reversing the infrastructure that we had built. And in doing so, in that small switch, we go from speaking to an audience that has Bitcoin and wants to spend it, which is very small, to an audience where 97% of North Americans are part of rewards programs. Now we are talking to everybody. Nearly almost everybody in the world is now relevant to this business model. And not only that, it brings up this really great other benefit is that it removes every single barrier to entry to getting it. So even what Coinbase did and the other exchanges with KYC, setting up a wallet, setting up your, your bank account, now we can give you Bitcoin into a wallet without KYC, without long waiting periods on your bank. And it can happen with the infrastructure we have. And so it was a combination of looking creatively at what is the biggest problem that's facing Bitcoin today and its, and its adoption cycle? And what do we have right now that we can put together to service that, that use case? I'm really curious, and I suspect a lot of people listening to this are as well, of the rewards card. Why is there a market for this? Talk to us about, and I, I suspect you're going to get into the international demand for rewards or, or for coupon cards. Talk to us about that first phase where you're receiving Bitcoin, you're then buying rewards cards, coupon cards for you name it business, whether it's Amazon or whatever. And just walk us through what that looks like and why, what's the incentive or what's the uh, motivation for people to go about this process? Everybody right now, again, this is the timing part. There's an interesting moment that's happening with Bitcoin where people know about it. Most, the majority of people know about it. And there's this deep curiosity about it. You know, today we heard around 46 million people in, in, in the US, I think, own Bitcoin. And that number seems to be doubling each year this fact that the economic context that we're all living in is getting is forcing people to look creatively at their own finances. And the debit card concept is something that fits into the daily life that doesn't require you to change your behavior in any way. You're not putting up any risk with your hard-earned money to speculate into an asset that you might not really understand. And a debit card or credit card that pays you out in Bitcoin, when you start to look at it, at an asset that's increased 200% average year over year, it becomes an asset that is a no-brainer to earn as a reward. There's no reason to be earning airline miles or points when you can have access to the upside potential of this new asset. And so we know that rewards were an already existing behavior that's very widespread. And just offering a better reward is enough to transfer these millions of people who are earning rewards every day into a card like the Fold card that would generate Bitcoin on every single swipe. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Rover Sport. 
Range Rover leads by example with their dynamic design that rises to the occasion. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capabilities, coupled with signature Range Rover refinement. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet, redefining sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offering next-level comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit light driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGBT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only aids you in your research and analysis process, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Today, I want to share such a tool with you called Meka. Meka is the AI-powered stock research assistant now enhanced with real-time stock data. Meka does a lot of the heavy lifting of sifting through financial statements and company data and delivers it to you nearly instantaneously, and the best part is that it's 100% free. Try it out today and ask Meka questions like, what is the financial health of Microsoft? How much cash does Copart hold on its balance sheet? What is the return on invested capital of Adobe or millions of other prompts? Check it out today for free at Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. The Holy Grail of Investing, the new book by Tony Robbins and co-written by investing legend Christopher Zook, reveals the secrets of alternative investments like private equity, venture capital, energy, real estate, sports franchises, and more. It features exclusive insights from investing titans who collectively manage more than $500 billion, including Robert F. Smith, Vinod Kosla, Michael B. Kim, and many others. In the holy grail of investing, you'll discover how to take advantage of the trillions flowing into private equity by becoming an owner of firms that actually manage the assets and share in the revenue they generate, how to take advantage of the two to three times higher returns of private credit as an alternative or complement to bonds, how to invest in the energy evolution and ride the wave of trillions in global investments, how investments in private real estate can work as an inflationary hedge and source of tax-efficient income, and how many of the world's greatest investors thrive in both good times and bad. The Holy Grail of Investing by Tony Robbins is available now wherever books are sold. All right, back to the show. Will, talk to us about the rewards cards. So on the app, when I log onto the app, if I want to buy a $100 Amazon rewards card, I can do that. And I mean, I think the, the rewards I got back were like four or 5% back. I mean, I'm using Amazon all the time. So like, this is a total no brainer. I mean, I just don't understand why anybody would pass up on this. It's just free money, right? So I go onto the rewards on the app. I click Amazon. I buy a hundred or $200 worth of rewards cards. I get that 5% back and it's just a total win. So why is Amazon doing this? Like, What is it that Amazon gets? Or is it because they're just banking the money earlier? I'm pulling my consumption to the left and they're willing to, to offer a 5% reward for people to pull their consumption to the left that much? When we talk about merchants and rewards, the only reason that they're offering rewards is to generate more business, either new customers or more loyalty. And that comes with a cost, right? There's always a cost of acquisition for a new customer and there's a cost to retaining a new customer. And prepaid and gift cards are a wonderful way of doing so. Again, I think it's 90% of Americans will either gift or use a gift card sometime in the given year. So it's really prevalent medium of exchange. And for them, the fact that that value is booked ahead of time, prepaid cards, is another huge benefit. You know, Starbucks, I think the the stat is that 10% all Starbucks gift cards purchased go unused, which essentially provides them a uh, interest and in loan in perpetuity on this on these unused cards. Wow. I didn't realize that that number would be that high. 10%. You start to think about all the drawers that are collecting dust, you know, probably <laughs> in your own home of these gift cards. I would assume the number is very similar for other vendors, maybe even worse or 
for the vendor, it's better, but do you think the number's higher for other vendors than Starbucks? Yeah. So, you know, um, I think absolutely. It also depends on, you know, how much a merchant gives is really a factor of their own margin. Mm -hmm. Grocery stores, gas stations have give less back. Yeah. Uh, Digital services, uh, gaming software give a lot more. And so it really depends on what, what their business is and what their cost of acquisition and doing business is. So, the breakage point is, a, is one of the pieces that Fold is actually trying to actively combat. Is that number one, we don't think it's a good thing that 10% of these cards go unused. We would rather that you purchase something and, and you're able to actually use the full value. And so it's in that is where we really started to know in this idea of product market fit that we saw with this, with this very simple app that lets you connect a debit card, a credit card, and buy these prepaid cards and earn Bitcoin. With that little experiment, we were able to see the beginnings of product market fit. For us, it was a clear path and clear, gave clear confidence that it was now time to build the full product, which was allowing you to earn Bitcoin on everything you do. And this is where the partnership with Visa came out, uh, where we would launch a debit card and a checking account that would make sure that you earn Bitcoin every time you swipe. So Will, talk me through the mechanics. I would think it'd be extremely difficult to manage the volatility in the Bitcoin price as you're also managing this percent back. Let's just say the average percent back is 2%, just as a generic number. I spend $100. You now have to procure 2% of that, so $2 worth of Bitcoin for my account at that moment. You have all these people that are using this card throughout the day that are buying Bitcoin within minutes of each other. And you've got on-chain fees that are pretty expensive relative to this amount that if I go and spend $10 and you're, and you're you know, pulling 20 cents out for the, the cash back on that, that becomes a really tricky thing to manage with such a volatile underlying asset. How are you guys doing that? I'm just kind of curious mechanically how you guys would go about that and kind of managing that risk of the, the volatility in the price. It's uh, something that's constantly on my mind. And it's all, honestly a problem that it just increases with the amount of swipes on that card. You know, you start to look at what Fold is doing and you start to look at Fold and you realize it's actually an exchange. It's, a, it's an indirect exchange. We are now taking, essentially, you're swiping your card. So the order of operations, you're swiping your card. We are receiving interchange denominated in fiat, which then we have to flip into Bitcoin in real time to convert and give to you and your and your Bitcoin wallet. And so again, that's it's just an exchange, but instead of the a user directly purchasing, it's done through the revenues generated from the interchange that is subsidizing these rewards. And so we have to act and we have to prepare and build just like an exchange does. We need to make sure we're over collateralized. We need to make sure that we are over covering our bases. But Fold has a secret weapon here that gets back to our roots that has really helped us is that we accept Bitcoin as payment. And because we are operating the Lightning Network, we have generated a lot of people that are transacting in Bitcoin, and we incentivize them to do that so that we are receiving a constant flow of Bitcoin into our treasury every single day. And that inflow is higher than the current outflow of rewards going out. And so you can see this becoming an essentially a glimpse into what a circular economy of Bitcoin starts to look like where we have a segment of our users that are purchasing goods and services with Bitcoin. And then that Bitcoin is then redistributed back out as rewards to all of our other users, whether they're paying with Lightning or they're paying with their fiat, debit, or credit card. And so those inflows are coming through the rewards cards program? So the inflows, so on our app, you're able to have, you can pay with three, you have three payment options. You have a uh, credit card, debit card that you Mm -hmm. bring to Mm -hmm. fold your own. You can pay with the Lightning Network in your own wallet mm-hmm. and uh, the full the full debit card itself. So we have three different options, and each of them have a different level of cash back. And the way that we derive that level of cash back is what do we want to incentivize? So in the early days, when Bitcoin, when Lightning Network was was very small, we actually subsidized nearly and gave all of our margin to Lightning Network users, so that we could make sure that we would bring more and more Lightning Network users into the Lightning Network ecosystem. So because of Fold offering very generous cash back, we had an outsized effect on bringing new users and building the Lightning Network community. So much so that 
you know, at times we've been the largest merchant on the Lightning Network. We've been had some of the most connected channels, and we've been at the forefront of building and being a user of the Lightning Network, which just so happens to have a kind of a good alignment with our current business of the debit card rewards. So let me tell you a personal story of something that happened to me on your platform. So I had not funded my account and I was low on on the amount that was in there for my debit card. And I wanted to buy, I, I don't remember what it was. It was some type of rewards card on your platform. And I got a higher kickback if I paid with Lightning. Well, I was not at my house where I run my full node and I have my my Lightning set up at the house, but I did have uh, Jack Mauler's Strike app on my phone, right? And so through the Strike app, I was able to scan the QR code that your that your platform gave me, which was a Lightning address. I scanned it with his Strike app, which there was like I don't know fifty dollars or whatever on my on my Strike card, which just said US dollars, 50 US dollars. I scanned it and it immediately recognized his strike app, recognized that it was a lightning address. And it was just like, do you want to pay this? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's see if this will work just out of curiosity. right? And it did. His strike app recognized that that was a lightning address. He immediately took the USD that was sitting in, in that app and paid your lightning invoice I'll tell you, man, my mind was blown, not just for your app, but also with Jack Mahler's app and how he was able to recognize a Lightning QR um, address versus a a regular on-chain Bitcoin address and immediately do the conversion into the Lightning network and make that payment. And then there you are managing this account balance between rewards, people using the debit cards and receiving Bitcoin, which was exactly what happened. And I can just see how everything is becoming, the user interface is becoming uh, seamless for the person who doesn't even understand the technology behind what's even happening. But there's a lot happening in that. What you got to experience was actually the future of where payments, where finance is all going. Yeah. Completely decoupled, distributed relationships that do not require any foresight or you don't need to go and call. I did not need to call up Jack to say, hey, Jack, I really want you to be able to read fold invoices. And he didn't have to do that to me either. What we're building is a large community that are building all of these services that are completely interoperable without the need of asking for permission for anybody. And again, this is where the network effect of Bitcoin comes in, both from a consumer standpoint, from what you had, the seamlessness of saying, oh my God, my debit card is not with me. And being able to activate and just scan a QR code there to on, on our end to be able to accept payments from wherever. This is the future of where it's going. And the network effects is both happening, both from a consumer standpoint, but also for builders. This is going back to what we did with the Lightning Network in the very early days is that we saw that we knew Lightning Layer 2 would have to be the right solution in yeah. order to unlock this medium exchange concept. And so as Fold, we knew that we, if we started and saying, hey, everyone, we're collecting lightning payments now, very few people would do that. There was no infrastructure back then. The wallets were very primitive, let's say. And so what we did was we made it irresistible to not to ignore the lightning network. Basically, we, we jacked up and subsidized the rewards rates across all of our cards in order to bring in number one, consumers who are going to demand access to these cards, which means that that puts pressure on the wallets to build better and better and better wallets. And it's a virtuous cycle. The better the wallets got, the better Fold got, the more business Fold got. And this is gets back to why my approach to business and building products are so focused on incentives. It's not enough to build technology. You need to have the incentives right in order to actually seed the ecosystem, especially because what we're now talking about are not walled garden individual centralized products. We're talking about a network, and a network involves a lot of participants independently acting. And in this scenario, this is where incentives become even more, even more interesting. So with Fold, we've always tried to, you know, go ahead and try to make an on-chain payment on Fold. You can't. And we did that. We know we're leaving money on the table because we want to funnel everyone to the Lightning Network. And with that, it has made our business better. It has increased the quality of wallets and ultimately seeded a lot more users who consider the Lightning Network somewhere where they live every day. 
So it seems like the real fundamental piece to all of this is that your lightning deposits are exceeding the rewards that you're paying out for people that are swiping their debit cards. So as I think about that in a in kind of a graphic, is that accelerating? Is that are the deposits accelerating and growing faster than the rewards that you're paying out? Or is there convergence? If there is convergence, yeah. is that a concern? So the thing is, is that again, going back to Fold's initial quandary, right? We have a, a Bitcoin payments app now is with the Lightning, which involves you having Bitcoin, then being in the mindset to spend Bitcoin, and then being actually set up to spend on the Lightning network. Those concentric circles get smaller and smaller. On the debit card side, we're now talking to an audience which debit cards and credit cards touch 97% of everybody. And so that concentric circle goes bigger and bigger and bigger. And so to answer your question, the inflows of Bitcoin are quickly going to be outstripped by a rewards liability going out. And that's going to happen very, very fast. It's already happening where we're needing to set up different sources for to source our Bitcoin. But we do see a lot of activity on, on the Lightning Network still. It's still growing. It's still in its infancy. And this is why I really want and have challenged and have talked to a lot of builders in the space, not just about access to a technology, not just Fold, need to create the incentives for people to be there. We need to have more companies like Fold who are actually prioritizing and privileging the incentive to use it, not just the ability to use it. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing it in our own way. We're doing it in the back and through a kind of indirect way, the Trojan horse, which I consider Fold a complete Trojan horse with it, but we'll get into that a little later. So when I'm, when I'm thinking about traditional just clearing mechanisms, it seems like there's such a massive incentive for all these credit card companies and anybody who's, who's conducting clearance type actions to get on Lightning as fast as they possibly can because it's going to reduce costs. It reduces the whole Rube Goldberg machine of clearing. So it, it almost, to me, it seems like the incentive's there, but it's, it's almost like Wall Street and all the big banks are just a little behind the power curve figuring it out. Is that an accurate characterization from where you sit? What are your thoughts on that? This is where you need to look at the incentives for them. They have wonderful business models that are working quite well for them, very profitable, and in fact, record profits even the last few years alone. There's very little incentive for them to go and adopt an open source technology that makes it very questionable how they can make money in the ways that they used to make money. And so the idea of fees, transaction fees, interchange, all of that starts to get very murky on how they would maintain their market dominance. Because once they adopt this, everybody has access to it. When full, let's say, lightning payment go, any lightning wallet can fulfill that. It really doesn't... The only thing it competes on is experience at that point. It doesn't compete on regulatory capture or compliance or anything, but who just has a better experience and treats their customers better, which has not been the incentive for a long time for business. This is one of the beautiful parts about open source and networks like this. It really drives businesses to a optimal user experience because that's the only way you're going to make money. You can't force people into a closed garden anymore. And so for them to adopt this is essentially their undoing. And unless they have a plan on how they're going to recover from that in a new business model, they're going to do that. There's really little incentive. And this is where Fold enters the space. I think the only way that this is ever going to happen is through an indirect, indirect means. This is the Trojan horse. This is We would go to... Um, uh, merchants back in the day, Starbucks and all of them say, hey, w let's have you collect, accept Bitcoin payments. And they said, no, not a big of a problem. We make a lot of money on in the interchange anyway. This, just make, this doesn't make sense for us. But then we go to them and talk about rewards and we talk about new businesses, new customers coming to them, new volume, and then their ears perk up. It's this same method that we're going to have the same transition over to this more open network. And Fold is doing this by meeting customers where they're at today, leveraging these, these networks, letting them go about their daily lives, swiping their cards as they always do, and start amassing this balance of Bitcoin that now can be withdrawn directly to the Lightning Network. So we're basically changing the balance and flow of capital away from these closed network systems and now releasing it into this new network called the Lightning Network. And every single time you swipe, the network gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And people that may not have been in the Lightning Network or had a wallet or anything, now do. Now they already have it. Now they get that ex same experience that you do, where, hey, I can just pull out my phone and fulfill a lightning invoice from anywhere in the world at any time without any permission, without any fees. 
that suddenly becomes an unstoppable user experience that is very, very hard to compete with. For me, it sounds like the natural business growth fourfold is to start just going to all these different credit card or debit card issuers, banks, whatnot. You already have the solution in place. And then you're just supplying that to them. So like if you've got a USAA account or you have a Bank of America debit card, credit card, there's an option for them to start receiving rewards in Bitcoin. And then they just come to you as the turnkey solution in order to provide these rewards for them. Is that something that you're actively working from a business standpoint to, to grow the, the company? I'll give an anecdote that tells you where this is going. So when we launched and announced our fold card. We did so a little less than a year ago. And we now have over a quarter million people who are signed up for this card. Not only that, is that we launched this to a very small beta group of people, closed access, Preston, you, you've been able to enjoy it, of only several, you know, tens of thousands of people actively using this card. And we constantly get emails from Visa and the card network saying, what is happening on the fold card? The <laughs> level of usage that we see is indicative of either a very old incumbent card program or something that we've never seen. One time they call us up and says, it's weird. Our data says that this program looks like it's a program in Asia where people are breaking up payments and paying for everything off the of debit card. So yes, taxes, groceries, bills, copies, everything is going through this. They're like the normal North American behaviors to have multiple credit cards. And we're seeing them consolidate into this one card. This is a black hole of these users' money that are just going into what what is going on. And then they inevitably say, well, why did we start working with Fold in the first place? Well, Bitcoin. And all of these card networks are going to very rapidly realize, some are doing it faster than others, is that just like what's happening to the existing incumbent banks when they look at Cash App, at Robinhood, and they see they offer Bitcoin, and suddenly they're seeing accounts close en masse at their bank, and now they're opening up these cash app banks because the demand is so wide. It's been a latent demand that has not been fulfilled. And just opening up access sucks all of that energy, demand, and financial power away from them. They now know that this cat is almost out of its bag. If you will see in, in a year or a year or less, if your card or credit card or debit card program is not offering the ability to earn Bitcoin rewards, you are going to be out of luck. You are going to see users transfer to other programs like Fold. But what's been in Fold's plans and cards the entire time is that Fold has built our entire stack on a platform and an API that will allow any credit card and debit card company to plug directly into Bitcoin rewards and via the Lightning Network. So this is going to be a massive wave that we're about to see. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com WSB. That's fundrise.com slash WSB. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Today's show is sponsored by public.com. That's where you can earn 5.1% APY with a high-yield cash account. While we can't say for certain it's the highest interest rate there is, we can say this. It's a higher rate than Robinhood, a higher rate than SoFi, a higher rate than Ally, a way higher rate than Bank of America and Chase, a higher rate than Citi, Wells Fargo, Discover, and it's a higher rate than American Express too. So if you want to start earning 5.1% APY on your cash, check out public.com. We can't say it's the highest interest rate, but it's pretty damn up there. This is a paid endorsement for public investing. 5.1% APY as of March 26, 2024 and is subject to change. A high-yield cash account is a secondary brokerage account with public investing, member FINRA, SIPC. 
Funds from this account are automatically deposited into partner banks where they earn a variable interest and are eligible for FDIC insurance. Neither Public Investing nor any of its affiliates is a bank. U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high dash yield dash account. As many of you know, I love studying businesses and networking with business owners. The more I've studied businesses, the more I've realized that starting and scaling your business is easier than ever because of companies like Shopify. Did you know that Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S.? Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify even helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I personally love about Shopify is that it's the turnkey solution to kickstart and grow your business, and they are totally committed to giving you the necessary tools to succeed as a business owner. Plus, they have an award-winning customer support team there to help you every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify dot com slash WSB. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash WSB now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash WSB. All right, back to the show. So the answer to what I was saying was yes, you guys are doing that. Resounding yes. Wow. Holy Just hell. Just think yeah. about this. Think about this. So <laughs> $200 billion is paid out every year in rewards. That $200 billion is paid out every single second of every single day. It doesn't matter of really anything except that people are swiping. And so when you think about what, the, what this means for Bitcoin, and even if we're able to divert 10%, 20%, 25% of that to Bitcoin, what that means, 24-7 heartbeat of Bitcoin being taken off the table, whether that's in a bull market, a bear market, it doesn't matter. And this is one of the only methods of Bitcoin buying that matches this behavior that is regardless of bull or bear market. It just thumps on just like blocks every single day. Bitcoin rewards will take Bitcoin off the table every single day as well, every single swipe. So I think you would have a really good beat on maybe the direction that this would be going. On the Lightning Network, when you think about you're running your full node, you're routing uh, all these transactions on the second layer. And you're probably collecting a very small fee for providing that service today. But in the future, there's a lot, a lot of people that suspect that the fees are going to go up significantly, not significantly, but they're going to go up significantly from where they're at now. And this is going to be a pretty lucrative thing if you run a hot hub of channels between all the different nodes that are out there. So do you see this being a substantial source of income in the future, almost like what you see for on-chain fees? Probably not as high as on-chain fees, but something like that. What, what do you see this, this becoming in the future? There's a lot of speculation. We talk a lot about this you know, internally. We try to model this out. And it's all very interesting. But to be honest, my main focus is creating the best possible user experience right now. And if this leads to a, a fee market that generates revenue and at the levels you're talking about would mean that Lightning Network has see, succeeded fantastically. That is the native layer for any retail or consumer interacting with Bitcoin would be on Lightning Network in the, in the scenario you outlay. And for us, that comes with a whole host of benefits that didn't exist before. Number one, it's much cheaper in terms of operating the business, a lot less overhead, a lot less fees coming on our side and a pure interaction with our users that opens up our user base from the small jurisdictions, bank, the current banking jurisdictions to the entire world. And so just that alone, even if we're not making routing fees, is, a, is enough incentive for us to pursue this. And so it is exactly something that will probably happen if it does come, if it does come to fruition. But we're not banking on it right now. We know that this is stuff is still fairly early. But even just the effect 
as I just said, of the this amount of rewards being paid out every year, now not going on chain, but directly into Lightning wallets that now users can interact, you're going to see on a vehicle that, that allows people to be onboarded to Lightning en masse. And that's the whole genius of rewards overall. And this is actually something that Satoshi even talked about in his cryptography mailing list is that he says, the real trick is to get people to actually value Bitcoin so that they become currency. And he says, I think if you get started somewhere in a narrow niche like rewards, because he understood the distribution mechanism of the reward space, that it captures almost every single person, yeah. and that it gives them a way to be natively onboarded into the network without having to do it themselves necessarily. So Will, you had talked about previously the potential for providing interest for people on their rewards. Is this something that you're still pursuing? And if so, or if not, just give us some details on it. I always say we're 10% done with the fold experience. You know, We're building a Bitcoin bank. So what does that mean? That means that there's a lot more services than just a debit card and a checking account. Even if you're interested in coming to the new world of, of Bitcoin, you still want some services that the incumbent and traditional services offered. And so right now, we have our debit card and checking account. Users are funneling every single dollar they have through us, whether it's rent, their tax payments, really everything. And with that comes with, hey, I usually do this and I can't do it full now. Can you do this? And so we are very much interacting with our community to see what are those main things that we need to prioritize to build out this Bitcoin bank that we're building. And one of those critical ones are savings account. I'm already direct depositing on my entire paycheck to fold. I need a place to park it and I would like to earn yield on it as well. And so uh, we are very excited to be rolling out our savings account program later this year that will allow you to earn yield on your USD savings and pretty lucrative yield. We will we'll be announcing that soon. But really what I see this doing is rounding out the banking experience. Really, again, full meeting you where you are today, providing the services that you enjoy today, not requiring you to change a single thing about your life just by adopting full. Now, welcome to the world of Bitcoin. This is an adoption machine we're building here and we're taking the lead from our community and our users. And so when you say substantial, I suspect you're not saying like 10-year treasury yields. You're saying like real yields. We're saying real yields. So everything <laughs> that we do, your grandparents' yields. Um, <laughs> you, you know, not we, This is not the anemic 0.1% that you're going to be seeing here. This is actual you know, several points that are going to be generated off your USD in your account all through Bitcoin. And the good thing there is that in what we've learned already with our card, Hold on, Will, real fast. So you're saying the US dollars that are sitting in my account as I'm waiting to spend them and get Bitcoin rewards, that US dollar is going to be getting interest. Yes. And so we made that a conscience, conscious decision. We are at the top of the funnel. I think we, besides exchanges, we are the number one of the number one funnels of new entrants into the space. We have people who only heard of Bitcoin and now have their first Satoshi through Fold. I don't think there's another another entity that is quite funneling this new of, an, of a user into the Bitcoin ecosystem. And with that, we take very high responsibility for being a good shepherd here. And one of those things is that we want to not only just slap Bitcoin on your experience, but bring the ethos of Bitcoin with it too. And so one of those tenants is not your keys, not your coins. We're truly taking ownership of your Bitcoin is fundamental to your Bitcoin journey. And by doing that, and not forcing, you know, only doing yield on Bitcoin means that you're going to give up custody of your Bitcoin for a while. So we're going to first start off on your USD balance. So how are you guys going to be able to offer high yields on that? Are you going to tokenize it in some type of stable coin in, in, the, you know, in the background? How, how's that achieved? This will be based on stable coins. There'll be a conversion from your fiat balance into stable coins. It'll all be done in the background that you don't have to take advantage of. Uh, they will be insured. These, these accounts are going to feel like proper savings accounts. And it is going to be a passive yield that you're going to earn. And so some of these, you know, some, there are some existing services out there that are providing yield like this, and it's going to look a little bit like it. I'll feel that like that. But you know, one of the things that we've learned about our program is that... So I think we have had over $100 million flow through this fold card in, since November or so. But if you look back at the total value of the Bitcoin we've paid out with the appreciation of Bitcoin you know, over the last six months or so, the cash back rate is 9%. And now you start thinking, okay, if you're offering a savings account that gets you 3 4 5% back in Bitcoin, and you're taking into account the appreciation of that Bitcoin, 
a funny thing starts to happen. The rewards and interest you've earned in Bitcoin starts to be bigger and more substantial than your actual savings account that you have, that you may have been working on for years. It also means that the amount of money you've spent on goods and services to get those rewards are now essentially paid off because of the appreciation of Bitcoin. And this is how we bring you from one, one world into this new world, this Bitcoin native world, where we turn Bitcoin into your unit of account because of that very experience. And you start outperforming many hedge fund managers from Wall Street. That's a byproduct. With a better sharp ratio. Oh my lord. Yes. And this is something, this is not just head now this 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 power is in the hands of, of individuals. One of the things about fold is to let's bring down the Gini coefficient of fold, right? Let's make it more equitably distributed. Let's give it to the people before the bi- the billionaires and hedge fund managers take it all. Let's create a product that is going to efficiently distribute as fast as possible to as many people as possible in the shortest amount of time. And what's going to happen? We already have users today, Matt O'Dell. He tweets. I bought some golf clubs a year ago on Fold. The rewards I earned on those golf clubs are worth double what I paid for those golf clubs. (laughs) It surprises me. This was the hypothesis of Bitcoin rewards was that rewards is the Trojan horse for individuals to actually go from a world denominated in fiat to a world denominated in Bitcoin. The The rewards is seeming indirect Trojan horse that gets you from point A to point B in a very indirect way that almost happens subtly right under your nose without you really realizing it. Boy, oh boy. Hey, let's talk about something that is a little bit of a gripe that I heard from the questions as I was preparing for this. Some people said, I don't like the wheel. So for people that aren't familiar with how this works, so you, you conduct the transaction. After that, your, your smartphone will ping you the app, that the Fold app that's on your phone. And then there's like a little wheel and you spin that and you can get, hey, last week, I was getting 5% on anything that I, that I purchased. That was a one-day kind of thing. But, and sometimes you get a real small uh, reward depending on where you land on like this Wheel of Fortune wheel. People said, I don't like the volatility. I wish it was just a fixed rate or I had the option to select a fixed rate of whatever it is. Is that something you guys plan on rolling out or, or making available for people if they would like that? Where Fold is going to be in, you know, over the next year is that we're going to arm every single credit card and debit card with the ability to turn on Bitcoin rewards with their existing program. The 99% of other cards operate on this fixed rate, fixed rate program. Mm-hmm. And so with Fold, when we look at that as a startup, how do we, where do we want to be? We know we want to do something different. We're going to create a different category of rewards because we already know that the fixed rate opportunities are going to be well covered. We are going to be providing them. We're going to let you have access. Our upcoming credit card may have a little piece of that in there. And you may be able to get that in fold eventually. But what we wanted to bring to the table is something different in rewards overall too. Not just replacing the asset of airline points instead of Bitcoin instead of airline miles, but we also want to change the reward experience into something that was a social experience and something that was an engaging experience and something that happened in public. So that when you see, you know, we already have, we have clerks at Whole Foods saying, oh, that's that Bitcoin card. We have people spinning in, the, in line and other people see these wins. We wanted to create something. And again, this is the focus on incentives and creating a new experience that generates a moment, a ritual, kind of a, a public moment for this to happen. Because we know our customers, the best customers, are our own users and Bitcoin holders today. They're already evangelizing Bitcoin. And this is just another way to expose them to that. And so with any new experience that you build, you have a lot of kinks to get through. I, by no means does the spin fully is fully perfected yet. There's a lot of things coming that will give you the option for flat rate. But at the end of the day, we're not going to deviate from this new thing, number one, because the vast majority of our users absolutely love it. But also because we know we are going to be seeding the world with Bitcoin rewards and you'll, you'll be able to find a card that works for you and it will be provided by Fold. But for the experience to add this, it has already brought an untold amount of new Bitcoiners because of this spin, this social kind of moment. I'm laughing because just personally, when I first started using it, my immediate thought was, God, I wish this didn't have a wheel and I wish I could just get a fixed rate back. Having used the card for multiple months, I actually enjoy it now. Like I look forward to it. It's just funny for me. Like sometimes, sometimes I have an awesome reward. I'll give you an example. I 
I purchased a meal for my kids at one place and then a meal for myself at the other. And both times I got a, a significant reward back because I had a big purchase earlier in the week. I mean, it was like an $8 purchase and a $9 purchase. And I think I got 30% back on both of them or something ridiculous. You know, that's rare. I know that's rare, but it just made me smile. Like it was just kind of a fun experience. Now, the next time I roll it, I might get you know a pittance for my reward, but I've actually started to enjoy it. And I'm not the type of person that would typically like. I am a very like down to the numbers type person. You know, when I first got the card, it was like, hey, if it's one percent, if it's three percent, if it's anything in between, just give that to me on every purchase. I don't want to open the app. I just want to get the reward and and not have to think about it. So I hear you on it. I I think some people might still want the fixed portion. There's a market, you know, this credit card market is something that every, there's never been a different way of earning rewards ever. And so yeah, changing yeah. behaviors is exactly what Fold is all about. Yeah. And so we're learning a lot, but what we do know from our users that they love the experience, it draws them in, it's fun. And there's something that, you know, when you're thinking about a, the credit card market and debit card market, it is the most competitive consumer market outside of automobiles, outside of in software sales, like there, it is one of the most cutthroat competitive environments. So, what Fold is trying to do is cut out a new portion, a new experience that delivers you fun every time, but also make sure you have a lot of Bitcoin in your wallet. Now, we look at the numbers, and again, if you've been using this card or Fold app for over six months, between the generous rewards we're giving and paying out, but the appreciation of Bitcoin, you should be up nine percent. Number one, no other credit card, debit card that's doing that, especially not a debit card, but also. You start to look at all the other things. You know, today they announced four percent inflation. Well, fold users don't feel that inflation. Fold users have been <laughs> have been riding the appreciation of Bitcoin. That's almost made that four percent inflation almost not even something that they feel. And so, meaningless. Yeah. It point heard, and I think you'll like to see some of the developments that we have coming up around this very thing that provides an experience. That I think anyone will like to enjoy. How about a credit card? I think a lot of people have seen that. Most cards, and you're seeing them come out from a couple other vendors, revolve around it always being a debit card. Why is that? And is there a credit card in the works where you're going to get rewards back with that? Yeah. So, you know, with us, how we think about this, you know, there's a there's a lower barrier to entry for launching a credit card, especially as a team of our size. And we're not, you know, we're 10 people. We are not a, you know, a, a large conglomerate yet, although we are growing fast. We hired five people in the last week. We launched the debit card to make sure we knew how to operate a card program, right? It's not easy. It's not easy thing. There's many people involved. There's banks, enablement partners, manufacturers, you know, you name it. There's a lot of moving pieces to this. And so we launched the debit card first, which by the way, has more volume spent through debit cards. Although the difference is that people spend on credit cards with higher ticket items and especially most of our users would spend on a credit card too. And so we know it's important. It fills out your kind of portfolio. We want you to come to Fold and know that whether you're putting a, a purchase on credit, purchase on your debit card, or in your savings account, you're earning Bitcoin. And you really need all of those aspects to really round out someone's you know, financial needs um, on a daily basis. And so we will be launching our credit card this year. I'm very excited about that. It is going to be have elements of this card where it's fun, but I think will be recognizing some of the things we're, we're, we're trying to improve and make an even a better experience there. But I will say one of the unintended consequences of this is that we have seen and have not a small amount of users who have totally abandoned using credit and are not purchasing on credit anymore. They send us photos of their credit cards cut up into our DMs and say, I'm, I'm done with this. They're living what many would say kind of more within their means. And the, actually, the data speaks to this. Since the pandemic started, people have, have been putting far less of their expenses on credit and have been moving to debit cards. You know, Primarily, I think a lot of that has to do with uncertainty about maybe where the economy will be. And so extending credit seems to be, number one, most people have been in a bad spot in that before. You know, People, you know, average millennial is you know, deeply in debt and uh, has very little in savings. And so I, you start to see when the economy and the other macro things start to become precarious, people start to kind of pull back and look for things that are more manageable and within their means. And so I think the debit card was perfect timing. I think as a basis for your finances, the ability to direct deposit your paycheck there, pay bills out of there. And then on top of that, being able to use a credit card is, is ultimately what you're going to get 
through Fold as a full package, but that should be launching later this year. Will, what is a book that has been very influential to you that has shaped just kind of your worldview? And feel free to mention more than one if, if there's multiple. Oh, man. I'm big into biographies. Uh, I love reading about people and their lived experiences here. And so I just finished one on Abraham Lincoln. I have one in here. And I look at my bookshelf and it is, it is one of the most motley things ever. We have payment systems in America. We have <laughs> game design. We have an Abraham Lincoln biography and a lot of fiction. I'm a, I'm a heavy fiction, science fiction reader. Ursula Le Guin is one of my favorite science fiction writers. And I think I draw from just about everywhere. Again, pretty voracious reader, actually more and now listening more and more so I can actually like, free up my eyes and do things when I'm not listening to your podcast. I'll probably pop in an audible or something. I draw inspiration from just about everywhere. So I'd say in there, there's a few good ones. All right, Will, had a blast chatting with you. I'd really like to do this again in the future and just kind of hear about the progression of what it is you're building here. This is just amazing. Give people a handoff to where they can learn more about you and where they can learn more about Fold. Every once in a while, I'll say something you know, smarter or interesting on Twitter, but a lot of updates on where we're doing with Fold. You know, we build Fold out in the open. So every single thing and feature that you see there has been suggested or, or asked for by our users. And so we welcome that conversation, whether you use Fold or not, or just have ideas. So you can get me on Twitter. I'm at WLRVS. And you can find FoldApp at foldapp.com. I suspect over the coming months, you're going to want to get your hands on, on our card. There are some pretty uh, massive updates coming, uh, new features coming that, are, that just haven't existed before. And I've been wanting to release this to the world for a very long time. And I think will be the beginnings of this kind of bridge for millions of new people into Bitcoin. So whether you like Fold, whether you want to use Fold, this is all good for Bitcoin. And with that, Will Reeves, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Hey, so thanks for everybody listening into the show. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you're using. We really appreciate that. And if you have time, leave us a review. So thanks for joining us this week, and we'll catch you next Wednesday. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.